And welcome back to Richmond Tiger Talk. My name's Nick. And I'm Andy. I enjoyed the Jack Dyer medal, Andy. Look, it's not it's not nearly as much fun as the as the post premiership ones, but maybe that's an impossible standard, but it was a pretty fun night. It was. So this is obviously always an exciting podcast, an annual podcast for us, where we present the Richmond Tiger Talk Award for most Jack Dyer votes per game. I know. Which we'll no. come to. It's not quite as exciting this year as it has has been in some others. Um, no, and I want to talk about standard slipping when we oh, come to that. But very um, good. But I just be I, able... I look forward to your grumpy old man. <laughs> um, but there are there are much other things to talk about too. Oh yes, there's a perhaps the the club's best ever win in the in the AFLW. I think there's no perhaps there. Yeah, like, all right. Like, you're right. <laughs> the only, the only perhaps. Let's try to build suspense. Is it the best ever win for every club in the AFLW? That's <laughs> that's how good it was. It was pretty great. Um, little bit. Uh, so we'll do the Jack Dye medal. Little bit of trade speculation. Marinate in the the win over the Lions and and a quick look forward to the to the Suns and the AFLW. And we may. Overanalyzed Jack Graham because uh, that that was the he he as we were recording this yesterday was the day he uh, first um, toured yeah Port a lot of a lot of Jack Dye, Jack Graham speculation yesterday yeah but as a Freudian slip you mentioned Jack Dye so I think first things first the JDS now Nick do we want to talk about the numbers or the speeches first <laughs> well we should we should lead with the top that uh, unlike unlike some other years. Uh, the the winner of the prestigious Richmond Tiger Talk votes uh, per game award was also the winner of the Jack Dyer Award in uh, Tom Lynch and he was a double crown award yeah won won the double crown and so the uh, he was three point two votes uh, per game Dion Prestia uh, two point nine votes per game and uh, the uh, Prestia's uh, effort was just as impressive as last year when he was the leading vote winner, but uh, Lynch Lynch was just great. Yeah, he was, and I think it's it's a season I keep talking about more in hindsight to, to non Richmond fans to who don't appreciate how good Lynch is. Mm. You know, j- just to reiterate that stat that people might have missed during the season, since they kept contest- started keeping contested marks um, as a stat, the contested marks per game in a season level, um, uh, ranking, Lynch had, by that ranking, Lynch had the second greatest season of all time, and the only one who beat it was Travis Cloak in the, um, that quite, um, <laughs> quite unique uh, Collingwood Premiership team. And... He's, so he's number two on a list that's you know quite old, and uh, daylight is third. It was statistically mm. an amazing season, and st- and as we've put out a million times, what's not captured in the stats, but the coaches know, is that he never loses a contest. That the ball mm. almost always falls to the ground, and you just watch other teams where the key forward can't do that, or Richmond in a few years when the key forward can't do that, and well, well or, it, or, or when, when he's not, injured. Yeah, when he when he's injured, um, and. The, you know how much, how much the we miss having that bailout uh, down the line when when play gets static. Um, yeah, he's yeah, yeah and fantastic I, season. I think this is 
reflective. It's hard to know because we didn't watch every game of his his, his peak Suns years where he was statistically very good. But but this is definitely, to me, his best Richmond season. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, Slightly awkward, awkward public speaker. (laughs) Almost slightly disengaged, like I've been the the star player, the handsome guy since high school. I don't think so. I really don't. I think it's just a little bit awkward. Yeah, that's fair. Um... He may be a compromised captain one day, but uh, hmm. especially, like, I, I really feel he, he's not the ring in anymore after a season like that once he won the oh, JDS. Right, right. I mean, I didn't feel like that anyway, but the sort of... No. He's yeah. been here long enough and he's made enough contribution that I th- yeah, think he's eligible. Four-year four uh, Richmond player. Um, yeah. Anyway... Yeah, I, I will say, but since we're talking about speeches, Nick, that's a really good transition to something I've been quite keen to co- talk about. Is oh, yeah. <laughs> Toby and, and Curvis's speech, um, <laughs> which is Bless. four minutes of, like, it's quite good. Like, it's it's quite inspiring, and he, he says oh, all oh, that. Were you surprised that they they didn't lead with him, but he was he was one of the first ones? Well, they had a choice, right? Because Dylan did the retiring players, so one did which, one. And... Which he did a very good job of. Yeah, I think they chose the right things because I was yeah. thinking the way Nank talks, if he was sort of telling those lighthearted jokes, I think everyone would have been too afraid to laugh because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> is he making a joke? I'm not sure. <laughs> Clap, laugh. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's much better at the intense. We're going to work really hard and come yeah. back next year even more. And I thought he delivered it really well, but... It, it, it's a man who I think we all know in, intensely dislikes um, that sort of public performance. Um, I, I tweeted that um, the four-minute address was uh, was sort of eight minutes shorter than Churchill's um, <laughs> on the beaches. Had, I was implying it had similar impact, but you know, I was going to make a gag about noted media type Toby Nankervis, but I just couldn't do it because he was so clearly not enjoying public speaking. And no, he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in my heart, Nick, I, I have an image of him uh, on the drive home, um, getting grabbing one of the assistant coaches and getting one of the rack practice bags and making him do 200 reps <laughs> just to get the... the, the, work, the work out the, the tension, yeah. Yeah, the stench of public, public speaking out of him and get back to what he loves. Um, yeah. But yeah... Um, it, it was. I think, uh, I think Josh Gibkes has got him covered in hating public speaking. To be honest, true. But the only uh, the serious comment I'd make, you could also see why he was chosen as captain because he, he there's yeah. an intensity and sincerity to the way he talks. That I, That's true. Yeah. Uh, um, what did you think of Dimmer's speech? Oh, look, uh, it made it made me want to take the stairs at work. <laughs> it, it was a good speech. <laughs> Some his his bit about what he does after his um. Uh, after a loss, like that was quite revealing. Um, yeah. and I, I also wondered whether I delist and relist when I wonder, you know, one did wonder whether that was a, a attacked um, uh, tip of the hod to tip of the hat to to what they did with Noah Cumberland. But that's not quite what he's talking about, right? Because after a no. loss, you, you, you're not talking about guys who already who've played a senior game. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. it was it was quite revealing uh, that uh, how it, even at this late stage of his coaching, how intense he is. A fact you can entirely believe because then he goes on to speak about the arc review system that he he still he's surprisingly petty. Um, I have. Uh, the code sports, actually, which, which uh, you know, 
has been an extremely slow burn uh, for me. But they had a they had a really good article on the mechanics of the trade period, and one of the real uh, X factors is that sometimes you know you because these um, player recruiting processes take take months months and months um you know if you're if you're starting in june you're almost too late but what do you do when as as happens halfway through the process the coach the coach falls out of love in with the player how do you and how do you not burn burn bridges in the process it's yeah it was interesting yeah it is interesting and like there's a point right probably won't get to it both the language between the two clubs is very positive but you know there could be a point with hopper with the price becomes too high yeah and and abs- absolutely we should we should test that that out cuz yeah gws have have more leverage than they do in the toronto deal and, and and i actually think they'll they'll get done as separate trades because of that because it's sort of you you do the the easier one first um and rather than complicating it by trying to do them both uh, together, but yeah, yeah, and it'd be interesting. Um, Peggy's speech was was classy as ever. Mm, no surprises there. Uh, um, and but I enjoyed the, but it was also wonderful. Sorry, I, do, I don't I don't want to take it lightly how lucky we are as as, as president mm. for at least a few a few month or two. Um, I enjoyed the retired players panel. Yeah. And it was good. It was good well that um, Josh Caddy was up there. That uh, you know he 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 got a he, he got a bit more because he's a two-time Premiership player for us, so yeah. he's quite important. I actually would have asked him more questions because yeah. you know you know like he, he's the one who we hear from the least. So I was kind of like it was almost at a point where it was you know Lambert got five questions and then uh, you know Caddy got um, a bit short shrift. But I actually didn't realise and maybe how on the outie he was at Geelong. I oh, thought I don't. I that didn't quite seem right to me. I mean, he, I, I wondered whether he changed it in hindsight. He'd sort of exaggerated a bit. Um, you know, the, the there's a point where a redemption story is a slightly sexier story to tell inside a club than a than a. Well, it was kind of a, I wasn't getting quite the opportunity, and that they he, needed a bit of cap room. He certainly wasn't getting the the opportunity that he wanted uh, in in midfield. Uh, which, he, which, he, which he then never got in Richmond, so that's not a great story either. Yeah, but it, but it was, you know, it was probably his last season in Geelong was probably his best season. Well, it was his best season statistically. So, um, yeah, he was a he was a twenty two player. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think I think it was more his his role uh, in the team that maybe uh, was the the point of contention yeah yeah but either way um i I enjoyed hearing from him and uh he gets plenty of credit i wanted to talk about shane edwards because i I saw shane edwards talk at another event and Mm. there were 600 people there and it wasn't chatham house and i think i can relay this one small story that he told um and it's very similar to you might we discussed after his 300th he was interviewed and he was asked could he go round again? And he said, absolutely not. And he was, he was sort <laughs> yeah. of asked the same question about when did you know it was time to go? And it was really interesting because he said, I knew it was time, I really knew it was time to go. I, I felt like I'd lost a gear. Mm. But I really knew it was time to go when I put in a few stinkers at the MCG. And like, 
he said, like, this is a player emitting. He, he played a few stickers mm. of the MCG, and all Dimmer could say to me was, and he was expecting Dimmer to blast him, but all Dimmer could say to him was how much he loved him. And uh, it's when <laughs> when a coach doesn't <laughs> criticise you anymore because uh, that's what he was saying. He didn't, he didn't explain it, but what he was implying was when a coach stops criticising you because he doesn't think yeah. you can do it anymore. But I thought that was... It reflected really well on both Shane Edwards as a person that he's that self-aware, but also on Dimmer as a coach that, um, yeah. you know, he's not, he's not, un, he coaches for improvement, not to make himself feel better by um, yeah. uh, criticizing players for things they can't do. Now, Nick, I felt this is my problem. Uh, I, I distracted you, but the, the JDS count is, of course, magnificent because it's the one time of the year where we got to see what the coaches really think of the players. Yeah. Um, and we, we brushed over some of the results. So what stood out? And, okay, this is the time, Nick, where standards have to be maintained. Every year you send me the, the counts, <laughs> the entire playing list. Yeah. Um, and and calculated by um, calculated by votes per game. And in the past, I look forward to a messy handwritten page with lots of <laughs> calculations. And this year, perhaps, perhaps you know, we all get old and, you know, our standards, like Shane Edwards, you, you're not quite as quick anymore. You've used a spreadsheet to do, <laughs> to do the votes per game. So, frankly, I'm disappointed. It's very easy to read. I don't have to <laughs> scroll through it. But there's not much love, not much personal calculation much. going <laughs> Excel's no. the heavy lifting. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just talking about standards. You know, <laughs> well, uh, we mentioned uh, Prestia came second. I'm um, Trent Cotchen, a very sneaky third in in votes votes per game, and notice- really stood out to me. Yeah. yeah, noticeably better than last year. Um, exactly. Yeah, where Dylan, it was twelfth or something. Yeah, Dylan Grimes and and Nick Gloston both very good, and it was our top. Five, uh, none of our uh, top five votes per game winners played twenty games. That, that struck me as a as a thing. So the the people who actually finished in the in the top five of the count, you know, Rioli, uh, Baker, uh, Bolton, uh, Short, all um, all were uh, in the five to ten range. All, all were in the five to ten range. Um, and, and, uh, well, and not a huge statistical difference between them. No, not a big difference. Marlon Pickett, uh, a sneaky seventh, uh, as well. Um, yeah, and no, no, like he's in that, he's in that upper tier of, of you know the players that we think of mm. that are really the driving room. Which I think all the evidence backed the, up that he was that. But you know, it is anyone who hasn't moved on to the fact that Marlon Pickett is now an above-average Richmond senior player yeah. um, hasn't been keeping up. Yeah. Um, um, equal, so, equal 12th, uh, Dustin Mountain and Noah Cumberland. <laughs> yeah, statistically the same. <laughs> Un- unlikely combination. Um, I will say on that, it was interesting how low... Were you interested in how low Bolton was? Yes. I, I, he didn't poll great last year either. Although, but yeah, no, he was, he was 23rd in, in votes, votes per game. Um, oh, sorry, he was ninth. He was two point three votes per game. Oh, Bolter. Sorry, I thought you said Bolter. Oh, I might have, but I actually meant uh, I don't no, know. Bolter. But I, I yeah, meant Bolter. Uh, yeah. Look, Shaq, yeah. Uh, actually, the comment applies to both. <laughs> funnily enough, yeah. but yeah, but you know, um, yeah, I was a little a little surprised on because Shay Shay got more coaches' votes in 
in Richmond games than anybody else. Um, so yeah, I was was a little surprised, and maybe maybe that's a point on consistency that that's the that's the the next step for him. Although I think I think he he was better this year than last, but yeah. Yeah, was noteworthy that the coaches, um, yeah, weren't as in love. Um, our captain Toby came, um, played twenty three games, and the coaches didn't love his games. Didn't love him, no. Uh, um, of, of the kids, um, well, Gibkiss was the only one who polled, mm. wasn't he? Oh well, no, Cumberland. That's not. That's so. He he was Cumberland was the standout. Um, as before mentioned, Bolter was sort of right at the the back end. Mm, right at the back end. Um, Morris Morris Rioli, uh, not bad. Um, Ben Ben Miller, okay as well. Yes, he did poll. Um, oh God, bugger. Yeah, Soldo's not on the list, and he is. So that's annoying. <laughs> well, that they only. Um, you had to. It was a minimum. You had to poll a minimum of fifteen votes to to come up on the on the leaderboard. Unfortunately, yeah, that is. Yeah, that sort of it discriminates against people like Swansea, who, um, yeah, because the lowest, um, yeah, no one who played less than nine games is on this list. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, all, always fascinating and uh, a good night. And yeah, um, the. I, I have in my notes uh, playing the hits, but uh, when they when they bring out Francis Burke and Michael Roach to present the awards named after them, it always does it for me. Indeed, I wonder. It still does my head in how many times Richard won his goal kicking award. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, um, no. and uh, he, sorry, you go. I was gonna, I I was struck. Uh, Shay receiving his award. I thought, oh. Like he's he's not particularly comfortable with with doing media and um, hasn't probably hasn't had to do a great deal of it. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think that's interesting in terms of um, something to weigh up if as he heads towards well, it's out of contract next year, but a club offering him a huge contract sort of yeah is it that, that's a lot of public spotlight that he doesn't necessarily have at the moment playing at a big Melbourne club with lots of lots of big personalities uh, he thanked he thanked the right people though um, yes he, he thanked the people he had to go home to in his family um, so uh, I, I, hmm. I, at least it was it was well structured in prioritization um, did you know um, uh, I've, sorry, I forgot to mention this that link Lynch the first person, um, Lynch, didn't Lynch th- um, thank um, X as his Ford coach first? He did, yeah. yeah. X, X got a few mentions in the, in the thank yous. Yeah. Um, Lynch, Lynch mentioned his partner early on, which some of them didn't, didn't, didn't do. <laughs> um, yeah, um, there was a most nice moment when uh, Lynch... Uh, Lynch's partner stuck out her tongue at the camera and everyone laughed at it, but Lynch didn't know what it was about. So, you know, um, yeah. it was nice to see that uh, those handsome fe- features briefly confused and ruffled. Um, and uh, Ben Derunik. Um, yeah, good uh, shout out. I think, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, 
I don't like, think I've, I've never heard Dimmer mention his name before. If we had a Richards assistant, um, I would have sent back. I, I would have had them go back to the Bender uh, draft um, podcast and see how long we discussed it. I suspect even our intense level of nerd nerd and overanalyzing the bottom of the list wouldn't have wouldn't have got deep dived on Daru too much. <laughs> we talked to him about about him a bit actually because there was the club actually said uh, we think we think uh, beefy undersized defenders are a are a market inefficiency, which um, unfortunately turned out not to be the case. <laughs> yeah, it turns out uh, being quick is pretty important in AFL. Yeah. Um, look, last last one for me, uh, uh, Kane Lambert, um, in his speech the and talking about his new role as, a, as an assistant coach, like, like when he said uh, that he'll... You know that for the young players he'll work with, he'll be in their corner. I, I, I believe that was absolutely convincing. It was really impressive. I got to say. True. Oh, on the flip side, is that um, he'll be throwing them out of the corner into the centre of the ring as well. He'll be behind them, but um, uh, I yeah, think, yeah. I think to, to do the Kane Lambert way, you it, it's it, it's. He's yeah. going to be a high standard. Yeah. going to be a high standard of work. So, but yeah, um, we're really looking forward. Uh, he already speaks. Um, he transitioned uh, from speaking authentically when he was retiring to uh, coach speak quite smoothly. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. Um, anything else? Uh, well, I wanted to translate uh, to transition into Jack Dyer, the uh, sorry, the Jack Graham rumours, which, okay. um, well, which, look, which nicely look. highlighted by his not particularly great performance in votes per game. Yes. Um, oh, look, just last one for me. Um, yeah, Marlon Pickett getting the, the Community Award was a really nice nice moment as well. Yeah. Um, um, he's, he's magnificent. Mm. Yeah, so one one thought I had, you mentioned he didn't do very well in, in the, the uh, uh, votes, votes per game stats. Um Another thought I've had is you you look at look at that our finals team and you think um, you know everyone's talking talking about you know Tim Taranto and Jacob Hopper uh, trades happening the so you've got to you've got to fit them uh, into that team as well um, and Jack and Jack Graham wasn't already wasn't in that team. So, and you know, Jack Jack Ross and uh, Tyler Sonzi uh, both played well in that game. Like it, yeah, it really. I mean, you, you so rarely have have your best twenty two out there, but yeah, it's a real. I I can I can see why it makes sense for for Jack Graham who. Like like Hopper in Toronto is a is a hard hard running but not particularly fast um, uh, mid midfielder. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I a can, midfielder who doesn't play in the centre square. Hmm. Not not much. No. I mean, right. he's you know he does he does you know he's an elite pressure player. He's just about our best uh, player in for inside fifty entries. But yeah, he's. Yeah. So, as of as of today, he went and visited uh, Port Adelaide uh, yesterday. So, yeah, the the drums are beating. 
Yeah, so like I've often been a bit conflicted about Graham because you know we've talked uh, a nauseam about such an amazing start and obviously a great story and we got him cheaply, mm. which uh, which is all things that Richmond Tiger talk love, um, and statistically unique on the pressure he applies. Or through that, the uniqueness of that has declined over time. Um, he's still he's still an elite pressure player. Oh no, yeah, yeah I, I'm not disputing that, but he he used to be the best. Um, yeah. and, and that's sort of gone down. Um, the, there are others in the AFL who are better than him. He's now just the best at Richmond. Um, I've always, you know, it's it's hard, to, and he was really good last year. You know, it's easy to pick on this season, but last year he was second team um, AFL rankings all Australian because um, he was he's a half forward flank and the half forward, uh, true half forward flank, and he doesn't get classified as a midfielder, which um, takes away most of the good players in the AFL, but. That's also a thing that you know he's he doesn't roll through the midfield. It's not. I've, I've, I've he's not ne- a he's not a huge accumulator. Like he, I think the the it, disciplining no. thing of you know his his third season twenty nineteen he averaged seventeen disposals a game, and I think I think we we would have hoped slash expected he'd be he'd be over twenty disposals a game by now. And yeah, he's, yeah, he's never done it. Hmm. Um, and partly our system isn't the most stats-friendly system, but no. it's sort of, you know, there was a, one of the reasons he went in the fifties is um, it was fifties or forties. Fifties. Fifties. Sorry, it was fifty-three, fifty-one. Mm. Sorry, it doesn't matter. Um, but fifty-three. Uh, um, but one of the things was that he wasn't expected to. He 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 was a bull as a as a kid, and he wasn't. Mm. He, there wasn't much um, upside in him. Now. Like it's already been a massive success. Um, oh, the, 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 so. Even if he never played another game, we got nothing for it. If he retired tomorrow, it's been a great pick. But there is still a sort of, you know, you just, I'm not. What's the second act going to be? I, you know, we may have seen the best. Yeah, true. I'll, I'll be, I'll be sad if he goes. Oh yeah, absolutely. You don't, you don't want to lose them. Um, like, mm. Yeah, as you say, you never have. You, he may not be best twenty-two, but um, bloody hell, he's got it. Yeah, he, he's he's going to play because he, he, yeah, oh, a lot. you need you need more than twenty two good players, but and particularly as, mids as because because yeah. he's covering a lot of different positions. Because after you re, re, restructure everything, so it, it is disappointing. Go and obviously he's a hero of seventeen, and he'll he, mm. um, always be beloved oh, in the club. He, hero of twenty nineteen as well. Yeah, and. 97 games, which is annoying. So yeah, not, not get, not get, I mean, he's going to have some extremely good-looking um, fathers, <laughs> children. Do, do, uh, well, children, yeah, of, uh, of either. So it'd be be a pity not to get them. But well, he he, they, you you qualify at one for uh, father daughter. Oh yeah, of course. Um, but I think I think what we're saying here, bottom line, is he's definitely not in the indispensable category. No, no, and um. He's he's got a contract for next year. He's got a contract trigger that apparently is pretty straightforward for the year after, and then and then is a free agent. So yeah, I can see I can see why, um, you know, if if he's getting offered a a long term deal from from Port Adelaide, that that'd be attractive. So the thing I've been really wanting to ask you, and it's a question without notice, and maybe it's slightly unfair, is. Fair value for Jack, and then what's fair value for um, Hopper and Taranto, or maybe maximum fair value. But you know, just just put on your wildly speculating hat. Um, 
because Lord knows, I think all Richmond fans have done this trade about fifty times in their head. Um, but what's your what's your current gut feel about? Um, well, for starters for Jack, that's probably slightly easier. I think I think a second round draft pick for Jack uh, makes sense. Um, either either this year or next. Um, I think Toronto's Toronto uh, this year's first round draft pick. Um, you know, maybe we've got pick twelve and pick thirty, something, something like that. Feels, and maybe, maybe something else. Um, you know, future third round draft pick. The, um, the Hopper one, I really don't know. That that that's the one. Apparently, the Giants are asking, are asking for a lot, for. Um, yeah, and and you know, the obvious would be. This year's pick nineteen and next year's first. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I I had thought, you know, players make sense for players to be involved. Makes sense uh, for the Giants, but yeah, that that seems to have died down. That, yeah, talk on that seems to have died down. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's. As we've said before, it's almost it's almost unique to, to trying to recruit two players of the stature from one club to another club like this. Yeah, as I've said before on the show, and I don't think you know if you look at the history of Richmond players, we we normally play fair value for players when our trades have gone really well. It's because um, we've taken those players and they've become much better after they arrived uh, for us. And that's the things we remember. Of course, there was the Chris Yaron trade, so the, the, the dice doesn't always go our way. But, um, you, you know, I think I think we'll, we will play for uh, fair, um, fair value. The thing I would like is that, um, like I mentioned before, is we get a few um, later pokes back. Um, I know they're not as valuable and recruiters don't like them, but I think they're important to bring through the list and, one thing I do have faith in is that the Richmond system's really good at putting in people who are talented but limited athletes and finding the right role for them. Mm. Yeah, the yeah, be be interesting to see because the the clubs clubs are, are just picking fewer players in the draft than they used to, so that there aren't as many later picks, but because. You know, teams are preferring to have a few spare spots and then you know get three players through the through the train on period. But yeah, I mean, we'll have you know we've already had um it, you know been been announced. Matty Parker, Shane Edwards, uh, Josh Caddy already off the list, and there's a there's a few more out of contract. And yeah, so we we will. Have they'll to have get, to be replaced somehow. They'll, they'll have to be. Uh, replaced, yeah, because yeah, and you, you think there'd come a point where the the yeah the few others that mm. that probably the, the, their arc of their career might have come to an end, but um, one or two I'm not going to mention because I've given them too much of a hard time already. Um, we should actually mention when we're talking of um, um, great athletes um, and a very much a Richmond style player is that Hugo Rousmith won the grand final sprint. Oh, he did. And in a cant, I thought, I thought he'd go pretty well because he was a, he was a elite middle distance runner, um, uh, 400 meter runner uh, as a, as a junior. Um, but yeah, oh, he, he did it pretty easily. 
Yeah, I was going to ask, well, what's sort of the history of people? Because it, like it's a wind-up speed, right? Right. You know, yeah. if, you, if you're building the perfect athlete, uh, AFL athlete, you, you choose someone who's more immediately explosive. But, you know, that not everyone gets to go pick one. And Hugo's got – how often is someone with that kind of – that middle distance sort of – he's got a sixth gear, right? Um, how often is, does that turn out to be valuable in AFL, do you think? Oh, I think I think for the the that sort of um, wing half back role, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's really useful. But but are you aware of a pl- another one? I was just um, sorry, it's a question without notice. But well, I mean, the most obvious one in this regard is you know Blitzarves was a uh, for Geelong was a, a nationally ranked. Um, That's right. Yeah, hurd- hurdler. Um, but yeah, that's um, Matty White uh, was a. Was a very good um, middle distance runner runner in his day. Uh, Matty, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, it, it was a bit of fun, um, and uh, I was there, so you know, it was yeah. it was it was the one bright spot Brett, from from a um, fairly. Brett Delidio is uh, was under a, was a really good uh, hundred meter runner. I don't remember vaguely. Yeah, I mean, well, Lids was good at everything. Let's be good honest. Lids, yeah, I mean. It, Elite junior cricketer as well. Um, look, we've we've gone too long without. Um, we mentioned it at the start. The win, uh, women's win over the Lions on the on the weekend. I, you know, we were heavy heavy underdogs going in. Do you know what the betting line was? Um, yeah. So we were basically ten to one. Um, yeah. I, I, I hate talking about it when you know. I mean, there are markets out there. We can't pretend it doesn't exist. It was ten to one, which is. Like these people, you know, people don't like to talk about, but these people's job is to depends on predictive, uh, predicting the probability of these games. Well, and and and, we went in without Katie Brennan, and we went in uh, without Sarah Hosking and and Beck Miller. the yeah. teams never win against ten to one one in the AFL. Like the at North no. Melbourne, at their very nadar this year would have been at Nidhi, um, yeah. um, sorry, um, Nidhi, um would have been at uh, um, sort of eight seven eight to one. So we we're at ten to one, and then mm. not only did we win, it was like it was a fifty fifty game, and a few things went I won't like, but it was a it was a fifty fifty game that yeah that we was, won. Like it was in, so in, meritorious. It was intense. It was competitive. It was horribly tense in the last few moments. <laughs> you know, Gabby Gabby Seymour's smother, you know, rightly got a lot of attention, but oh, there were there were a thousand desperate uh, defensive acts um, across across the whole game. But like, it was but, it, it was a genuine win. It wasn't just a um, no a, a game where that that we got a bit got. That it was sort of a sixty forty game that we got a bit lucky. No, it was so meritorious, and it, it was all day. I thought just afterwards, look, it's not the perfect team, and we'll come to a bit to the individual acts. Um, but I just think they're really well coached. Like I thought it was mm. a high standard yeah, game. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there were, like both teams clearly had a plan and were structuring it up well. And yeah, like the last few weeks, actually, I've been I've been super impressed with how the team's playing, um, and it it just really feels like a team that's that has good chemistry, that's well coached, um, and that's playing to win. Yeah, who, who shut I, down shut sorry. down by far the the league's best offensive team. And by, by the way, by is, is quite chippy and edgy too, which I really yeah. enjoy. Like Beck Lynch, really growing on me, like a brother, quite aggressive. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think 
I think she really feels like she belongs. Um, Courtney Wakefield, you know, carrying carrying the load uh, at, at key forward. Um, you know, playing playing next to uh, Jemima Woods, who's who's in her first game for the clubs. So, you know, always presenting. Um, always a always a problem for that other team. Um, the I was I was impressed. Uh, like there's a, a a risk of you know confusing the Hosking twins uh, sometimes, and that was further reinforced by. Um, with Sarah Hosking out, um, Ryan Ferguson moved Jess Hosking into her midfield tagging role. <laughs> um, did you notice when um, there was late when it was tense and Katie Brennan was standing um, by herself, um, uh, Sarah Hosking moved into camera shot? <laughs> <laughs> Probably just a coincidence, yeah. but um, uh, but no, it was um, you're quite right and like, and that's the point, and because it is the nominally lesser Hosking sister and. Um, the twin that, that was playing. And Nick, I must admit, when we first got uh, Maddie Shevlin in, when we traded her for Sabrina Fredericks, I went through her, uh, I went through her Collingwood career and it was like, ah, oh, look, this it is was fine. Yeah. It, it was fine, but like these were two players that it was a decent chance they were going to be de- delisted. They'd sort of run their race at both their clubs. And like it was, it was just a, it was a trade of convenience. This mm. was not, not a star trade. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't. It was an opportunity trade. Like I think we wanted a bit more athleticism down down back. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, um, she, she she had been dropped that year, and so it's abs. And look, and then she just out of like this is I think by far her best career game. But she was she twenty four disposals, um, game leading. Like this is the point about this team is yeah. really gelling and using maxima is is. Not maximising the sum of its parts. Yeah. Oh, her, her and Elise Sharon, uh, both uh, in the top six uh, for the competition in in meters gained. Like they're just just relentless in the in the run. And Sharon's by far the best intercept player uh, in the in the competition. And and yes, she gets caught holding the ball at least once once or twice a game. But God, they they just. They've been empowered to take that game on, and um, uh, you know, attack the ball, attack the man. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, sort of slightly unexpected. None of us was sort of expecting this. Like, I think if we'd expected no us to. Well, I mean, we actually said it. Our theory, for if we were going to get upside improvement, it would be sort of McKenzie becoming all world and. Um, Mm. Uh, sort of more um, some of the the younger emerging players, well, the, the the higher yeah the higher drafted uh, uh, players, and yeah. and, Con- and like sort of not to belabor the point, but you know Conti had nine tackles and she worked really hard and did look like at times she was breaking the lines like only mm. she can. Um, she only had fourteen touches. Like she didn't. It, it wasn't. We didn't win just because. No, it wasn't. Mo- wasn't another one of her her usual all, all world games. No, she she didn't. She didn't carry us over the line. She was just a very good player in a team effort. So yeah, and and as mentioned, Mc, before mentioned, Mackenzie had fifteen, but was not all world and gave away a few. No, but but she was good. Touches. She was good though. She got she yeah. got coaches' votes. Um, and she's really. I love the way she's she's trying to to break the the game open. I think. Uh, again, she's been, you know, she's been empowered by the coach to to take the to 
the game on and sometimes it comes off and, and sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, she's, she's having a good season. She's still a teenager, which seems incredible in her third season. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is right. And she, you sort of you don't because she's because she's got quite a she's got a, quite a muscular body. You don't you don't perceive her as being that young, do you? No, no. Um, she, she's her her and Gabby Seymour have some pretty solid shoulders. Um, yeah, and like it, it's still an interesting team, right? But we had five of the six bottom possession getters on the day. Mm. Um. And yeah, like it, it's still it, it's it's still a mix of a t- team, and the, the sort of there's not um, this you know we're still we're still struggling to get the and like this is not unique in the AFLW. We're still struggling to get the right mix of the position players um, at the, the sort of the, the the fringe players, the, the pocket players. But you know it's working as a team at the moment. You can't well why you keep winning or being competitive. You can't criticize them and and beating the top team with. A not small number of your your best players out like that says something about your the the depth is is better than it was. Um, mention Gabby. I, I'm not sure it's the depth. I think it's the system. Like, um, that that yeah, the two go the two go hand in hand. Putting putting players in in positions to, to succeed. Um, Gabby Gabby Seymour um seventh in in hitouts. Like she's. She's taking taking on taller opponents every week, um, and pretty relentless in her work rate. Yeah, well, I mean, so f- for example, this week she basically even on hitouts, and she had double the possessions of Hickey. Yeah, and she's she's doing it without the last couple of weeks without Poppy Kelly uh, as well, who's who's normally splits time, um, so she's not she's getting almost no uh, chop out. Yeah, well, rightfully a fan favourite. So next week, so I've been through the rest of the season, and it's yep. it's funny. It, I mean, partly this is, but every game now, except perhaps the GWS, which is a funny game because it's in Mildura, um, mm. will be fairly close. Um, you, you know, I think if you if you're handicapping them, they're, they're sixty forty games because yeah, we're, and we're, we're, now, we're now in every game. And we're eighth on the ladder, so you know, know. almost anything can happen. And, and playing playing Gold Coast to a ninth um, this week as well. Yeah, exactly. So this is a huge game. This, this mm. I mean, it feels. I think I don't want to overdo it because I think most of the games are eight point games from here. But um, this is this is yeah. In a, in, a short, in. in a short season, margin margin for error uh, is is thin and. And our yeah. games aren't particularly so high scoring, so no, the, so our percentage is good but not great. Um, but but also that you know the you can get high variant the the lower the score you know the the higher the, sometimes the higher the variance in outcomes. So I think we're going to have a lot of tense football coming up. <laughs> I know. Look, the it seemed as if Katie Katie Brennan will be back uh, this week because yeah we do um, a bit more a bit more goal kicking power. Um, would 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 help with with the tension. Um, I'm I am interested. Uh, I, you know, I'd be fascinating to hear from someone like Rhett, Rhett Bartlett about how Punt Road uh, used to play when it was a, uh, you know, when the when the men's senior team used to play there. But we we seem to have a lot of ga- games where the wind is a pretty big factor. 
Yeah, I, I did actually wonder whether that helped us on the game on uh, against Brisbane because obviously we train there all the time. We know the conditions in Brisbane, train at the Gabba and Arnis used to um, sort of more traditional park football. Um, yeah, although, although the the women normally train at night when it's not as windy. <laughs> true, but I, I still think, you know, they, they played enough games there and they, prob- they, mm. they would they would have trained enough during on weekends and things so that they would know. But anyway, like, it, it doesn't matter. It's only a minor theory. But we're back there this weekend. Um, mm. we're, we're playing yeah. the Suns. Um, the Suns, who, who are on a two-game winning streak, beat, beat Port last week. They have um, probably my favourite uh, uh, non non-Richmond AFLW player, which is Lauren Bella. Um, they're very effective Ruckman. Um, yeah, yeah, she's she's very good. They've got um, they got Charlie Robotham uh, in the draft, and she she looks like an absolute gun as a as an inside midfielder, unfortunately, <laughs> and and some pretty good some pretty good forwards uh, as well. Um, Jack Dupay, Tara uh, Bohannon. Um, Courtney Jones, like yeah, they've, but you know they got absolutely spanked uh, against uh, uh, Brisbane. So yeah, it's yeah. which frankly yeah, everyone has against Brisbane. Everyone has. It, it, yeah. Like it's, it's such an outlier; it just cannot be. Str- I was so annoyed at the coverage on Monday, and I know why they do it because it gets clicks. But like it was just like story three or four in the AFLW roundup. You know, um, yeah. Uh, Should have been one. <laughs> but there was they made the GWS flogging the biggest story. Well, you know, actually, like floggings happen more often than um, than really big upsets. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. But yeah, it's it it we're, we're competitive every game. Really looking forward to it. Punt Road. Um, I haven't checked the weather for Saturday night, but hopefully it's nice and sunny. Weirdly, they said it was a sellout, which is so weird, right? Because it's nowhere near capacity even for Punt Road without um, the Jack Dyer. But yeah, the weather's going to be good. It's going to be 19 degrees. Saturday afternoon, um, there'll be there'll be the dying twilight because um, it's still not... Yeah, it'll be, we, are, we are solid 12-point favourites. Yep, can't, can't wait. I'm Nick. I'm Andy. We're Richmond Tiger. It starts with a vision. If we're not locked into that, might as well pack up and go home. You're talking about three flags, what, 2020? Fitzroy's played in my files with you guys. And after 13 straight losses, the Tigers are no longer toothless. Their first win for 2010. Carlo Hunt. Look at Jeffrey. He does. Carlton are on their way to Sydney. West on to kick a goal from here. He does. What a start. Can he just slow? He's gone. First preliminary final in 16 long years, and they have done it. They've won. The Tigers are into the prelim. It's the stuff of legend and champion, Justin Martin.
tags.